Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Jimmy Smith and The Cat, one of my super-duper all-time favourites. Welcome to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM on a Saturday morning. Thank you for joining me. This is, of course, the place where you can hear the very best of the people who are shaping the world of jazz, soul and blues, alongside their equivalents in the world of business, a business shaper. Today I have none other than Ruth Chapman. She is the co-founder of Matches Fashion, which for the well-heeled amongst you will know is probably one of the best places to buy the top outfit of the moment. You'll be hearing lots from her very, very shortly. In addition to hearing from Ruth today, you'll also be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business. And on top of all of that, if that isn't enough already, some great music from the Shapers of Jazz, Sold and Blues, including Snarky Puppy, Ray Charles, and this from Laura Mavula. That was Laura Mavula and Green Garden. As billed earlier, Ruth Chapman is my business shaper today here on Jazz Shapers. She's the co-founder and joint chief executive of MatchesFashion.com officially, but of course they have, I believe, 14 London stores and a website shipping beautiful clothes to countries as wide and as far as all sorts of places, at least 200 of them apparently. Ruth, thank you very much for joining me. Morning. Now, your business began in 1987, almost 20 years ago. Yes, it did. What was going on then? Why did you start that business? Well, actually, my husband started with his sister. um, And his sister was the person who really wanted to get a business in fashion going. And he was sort of a quieter a quieter partner um, and then she decided to get married to somebody and move away so he was left holding this baby and we were already in this relationship together um, so I was helping him out around my own working life and then he said come and come and join me come and help me I need help so I did which was very silly and I was very young but very in love so um, that's how we started and you you were very young, as you said. Yes. What were you doing at the time? I was working in a video company. But you kind of like fashion. You thought, oh, you know I'm, what, I'm going to set up a fashion business. I mean, you didn't say that, yeah. obviously, but... Well, I've always had a really strong fashion obsession, even from a very, very young age. I've always been obsessed with clothes. And, um, I mean, even when I was 15 years old, I was ordering things that I've seen in Vogue and getting them shipped to me um, and... Yes, always just obsessing and looking at every new designer that's coming through, um, at, at, you know, all, all of them. And did um, that come from anywhere, though? Because, you know, we, people, young, there's a cliche, though, that the stereotype says, well, a, a young boy is obsessed with sport. Yes. And young girls, young women are obsessed with, with dollies and dressing up. And it sounds yes. ridiculous. And obviously, I have many children of both varieties, and I'm not sure that the stereotype is true. But for you, what do you think created that obsession with clothes and with objects and with things that you would wear? Mm, I think it came from having a very glamorous grandmother, um, a very 
glamorous uh, coming from a line of glamorous women who always enjoyed dressing up um, so I I mean even as a child I was very particular about what I would wear um, and fabrics and luxury and the feeling and the way that clothes make you feel good they make you feel happy and the appropriateness of what you're wearing for each situation whether it's work or evening or um, the weekend just that selection process and the choosing the fabrication is always something that I'm very interested in I'm still interested in it in the morning I'm still interested in those in in the choices that I make and and then the choices that other women will be making now, for those people listening who don't know, the Matches business um, houses some of the most fantastic fashion brands on the planet, and some of those, Balenciaga, Lanvin, Christopher Kane, uh, Isabel Moron, Kenzo, just to mention just a few. Did you envisage then, as a 21-year-old young woman, that you would be the home of these incredible brands? Could you have ever envisaged that, ever dreamt that that would happen? No, I think that it was. A, it's always been a very organic journey, and we've always taken the most opportunity that we could at the time. So we started out selling um, T-shirts and jeans to men and women. I mean, it was a very low-key, almost like a Benetton-style store. And very quickly, we started to see that when we did experiment with something that was more luxurious, it was it was a runaway success. So from that, the whole thing developed very quickly and we started to work with strong designers. Um, and very, and we were lucky because we were young, but it was also, we started in the late 80s. So it was very, it was a much more, I suppose, a much more easier environment to get started in in business than it is now. Um, and we started working with these designers really quickly and establishing relationships with, which we still have today. Um, and working with the people we wanted to work with, partnering with people, which has been very exciting 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 journey to take but it has been really organic find out how um, Ruth Chapman has achieved so much success in the matches business time for some music this is Ray Charles and nighttime is the right time That was Ray Charles, and nighttime is the right time. Ruth Chapman is my business shape today. She's the co-founder and CEO of Matches.com, MatchesFashion.com, and obviously the, the, the shops as well. You're also creator director of your in-house brand, Frida. Yes. What's that like? I mean, you're kind of now we're, you know, you're, I'll, I'll go back again to, to the past. I want to talk about how you develop those relationships with these incredible brands. But what's it like actually being the, the person who now chooses the fabric, chooses the way it's made, chooses the way it looks, the colours and everything else versus curating someone else's ideas? Well, that the whole idea was born of that we work with these incredible brands and they all produce these beautiful designs um, and lots of our customers want to pair back these designs with something quieter and more anonymous so the brand was born and we also wanted to price it in a way which was going to be more accessible for a lot of our customers if they're paying a luxury premium pipe price for a designer piece they might want to pair it back with something less expensive so um, that's where it was bought the whole idea was born from and um, it's we've been doing that brand now for I think almost six years. Um, and lately I've taken more of a back step because as the business has grown, I'm finding myself in um, 
running up this this beast that we have created with my husband. Three hundred and fifty people you employ apparently, probably yes, more we by do. the time. Yeah, we do. Yeah. That's a lot of people. Yes. So we do have now a new creative director in charge of Frida, um, but I'm still very much um, involved. I'm always putting my head in the door and seeing where they're up to. And we regularly meet and discuss where we're going with the season. But I think the genius thing about our business is that we've always managed to attract incredible talent. And we have this fabulous team in there now who are pulling these ideas together. So I can't completely take credit for the whole creative director anymore. Um, And we have a really exciting product now, which Mm. we're very thrilled to be to be um, launching. And we will be launching men's as well next next season so that will be exciting something to look out for yes definitely for me personally let alone anyone else um, who might want to join me um in in the early days of just going back a little bit yes. before the 350 people before the shipping to 200 yes. countries and so on yes as you started to build the business around um the idea of selling beautiful things luxurious things catering for an emerging need in as you said the late 80s early 90s were you still did you retain that excitement which you you seem to be still in love with yes. the world of fashion did it grow or did it become diminished because you were suddenly having to run a business was there a sense of well I love I'm obsessed with fashion but I've actually got to be serious or did that never really happen with the two quite nicely complementary I think they are really nicely complementary because I think at our heart always our decision making is centered around our customer and so for me I'm always thinking about the fashion and the customer and how we can best deliver it to them whether it's through our online presence or whether it's through our stores and how we can make that a better experience keep up with the technology be the first to introduce different dynamics and different ways of shopping to them so I think my passion for it's never diminished because it's always been how can we do this better? How can we how can we make a better experience for the customer? What's next? Um, what's next in fashion? How, and also thinking about the brands that we work with, how will they want to be perceived? Mm. Talking to them, a lot of discussion, a lot of collaboration. Um, but the passion doesn't hasn't ever diminished. And that passion, right. I think that that was that as you talk about was re- that was retained and is still retained, meant that you treat people like people, like special people. So you, you walk into your your beautiful shops and actually you feel pretty. You, you feel like you're being treated properly, as if you were in a lovely five star lobby of a hotel. Someone says, "Would you like a cup of coffee? Would you like some still or sparkling water?" When you purchase these yes. not cheap things. No. You nailed that very early on. That just felt natural, didn't it? Yeah, and I can't really take credit for that because my husband is um, incredible at this part. It's really for him. He His whole ethos is based around this customer service, the level of customer service, and he never takes his eye off that ball. I think, you know, you're absolutely right. He was the first to introduce the idea of having a cappuccino machine, having a coffee machine in a store. Um, you know, there was, even in the early days, there was a culture in our stores of people coming coming in for a beer on a Saturday afternoon and chatting and and um, there was even a, a point I can remember where people used to smoke in the stores, which seems bizarre Perish now. Perish the thought. I know. Actually uh, relaxing and having a cigarette. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's where it kind of came from and that still now is the ethos of the, the business very much. Um, even in how somebody receives a parcel and how beautifully their purchase is wrapped all that sort of thing. We hope that we are market leaders in that all the time. 
Find out more about how Ruth Chapman is maintaining five-star customer service from the Matches fashion business. Latest travel in a couple of minutes, but before that, some words of wisdom for your business from our programme partners at Mishkondere. Hi, I'm Joanna Blackburn, and I'm head of the employment department at Mishkondere. Today, I just want to cover a few points that small employers might need to think about when dealing with employee problems at work. There's been a lot of talk in the press recently about changes in legislation relating to the ability to dismiss employees. Uh, Proposals put forward by Adrian Beecroft with the idea that uh, small employees and micro-employers may be able to entertain the idea of no-fault dismissals of employees. In fact, the government's not going to be pursuing that idea, but it does give rise to a common concern for employers about how they manage their staff and particularly how they manage dismissals. Employers often think that dismissing employees is an extremely difficult process, one fraught with cost and expense and needing a lot of involvement of lawyers. In fact, that doesn't have to be the case. The most important thing for all employers to do is to actively manage their employees. Be honest when the employees are not performing, pick up those problems and discuss them with the employees and record those conversations. The difficulties arise where there have been problems with an employee for quite some time that have not been raised with the employee and not been documented. In fact, for all employers now who've employed somebody after the 1st of April this year, the position is that the employee does not have unfair dismissal rights for two years. Employees uh, employed before that date have rights after a year. But that's a pretty long time in which to assess whether or not an employee is making the grade. And if you decide within that period before unfair dismissal rights kick in that the employee isn't going to work for you, getting rid of them is actually pretty straightforward as long as there are no other complicating factors such as pregnancy or discrimination laws or whistleblowing laws brought into play. But even in circumstances where you may be nervous about dismissing an employee, having done your groundwork and having properly documented your issues will enable you to deal with the employee in a relatively straightforward way that protects your business and allows you to get on with business. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday morning, you can catch me here talking to a brilliant shaper from the world of business. Or if you've missed any of them in the past, you can, of course, also go to iTunes and you'll find them all in there. Ruth Chapman is my business shaper today. She's the, as you've been hearing, I hope, the co-founder and chief executive of MatchesFashion.com and sort of still semi the uber super duper creative director um, of the in-house brand called Frida with, of course, a proper creative director now doing most of the work, I hasten to add quickly before you do. Um, uh, Ruth, we were talking about all all sorts of things in terms of five-star service uh, and the like. What's it like, because people will want to know, working with your husband, who was your boyfriend at the time? <laughs> you know, I've met a few people who have had their other halves, whether it's man or woman, doing it. And I'm amazed at how, obviously, we're talking about a successful business. You're here, so it mm. must work on a level. Does it cause a certain pressure, though? Yes, it does. I mean, I think it is astonishing that we are still together and still adore each other. But it doesn't come without... I mean, there have been rocky patches in it. There have been times when we disagree and we can never be seen to disagree in a meeting so we have to leave the room and take the argument outside although there are levels of tension that people who know us very well have witnessed um 
and it, it's difficult at time. We have to we had to learn quite early on to cut off when we get home because otherwise our poor children. We have three children. Would have to listen to the the post mortem of the day. And you really do cut off. We we try to. Ruth, you know, be honest with me. We try <laughs> no, to. As we try to is is better. You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, we try to as far as we possibly can. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I think. I think on marriage, it's 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 that's also work, and we work hard at it, and we try to have as much fun as we can. Um, no, I mean, I think partnership is going to be hard, whether yeah, it's personal, whether it's it professional, is, absolutely. But what would you say to people who are in partnerships, regardless of whether they're married or not, based on the fact that you've learned at the, in the most extreme situation, yes, i.e., that right. you're, you're emotionally involved? Yes. What would be a couple of bits of advice, looking back over the years, with regard to how you've handled conflict? Um, be clear, be honest, be truthful, be kind, um, and listen to what the other person's got to say. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I think honesty is really, really important, but you have to be tactful as well. And have the roles naturally um, evolved? Is one of you more interested in the numbers? One of you more interested yeah. in the fashion? Is that Are you the fashion or is he... I mean, how is it? I'm definitely the fashion um, and he's definitely the numbers. But sometimes I feel like he would like... I mean, he, Tom's a very creative person and I think sometimes he does get pigeonholed into the finance marketing side and I think that a lot of, the, a lot of people don't recognise the, the creativity that he's input into the business, which is huge. Time for some music before we hear more from Ruth, my business shaper. It's Dave Brubeck and Take Five. That was Dave Brubeck and Take 5, who Chapman's my business shaper from the fashion world. We've been talking about lots of things. Um, I'm interested in the notion of divas and business, and I know you said you're the fashion person, although uh, your husband should be credited beyond the money and the marketing as someone who's also got taste and is also very creative in his own way. Are there, on the other side, and I wanted to refer back to the relationships you created with the fashion houses... Is the myth true? Is Devil Wears Prada anything like the truth? And if it is, how do you handle that level of animation and that level of lunacy and that level of chaos that comes with the creative type of business? I don't think in all the years I've been doing this that I've ever encountered, certainly not a business that's going about things in a very diva-like way. Um, Of course, there are personalities who are involved in the fashion industry who are divas, um, but I think that usually that's based on a huge amount of talent um, and those people are protected pretty much by very commercial, very um, smart people who look after them and probably front up the business more and make sure that that level of of behaviour perhaps doesn't always reach their partners. So there's a filter, there's a, the manage, there, yes, there's a management yes. around it. And, and I haven't, in all the years that I've been doing this, I haven't ever encountered anybody that I've, I mean, a tiny percentage of people who I would say are impossible to deal with on some level. Mm. Um, most people are 
pretty charming, hardworking people. And and the glamour that you think of as the fashion industry, I think, I mean, we have a lot of people applying to work with us all the time. And when you work inside the fashion industry, I think it's true to say it's not it's not the glamorous world that a lot of people imagine that it is. There's a lot of hard work um, and it's it's an industry like any other. And talking about hard work mm. and, and the fact now you've been in the business for almost 20 years. Is that right? A more bit than more. 20 Sorry, years, well, my, yeah. I can't, my maths is rubbish. Over 20 years, <laughs> yes. Ruth. In that time, are there, have there been moments when you thought, I don't think we can do this anymore? I think this business is too much. Has there, have there been properly dark or, or obstacle ridden times when you've gone, I've got a something's going to stop here or I've got to really change our going to change our attitude towards something or has it really been more plain sailing than that over the years? No, it hasn't been plain sailing at all and I think that you're saying, you know, change change is really important and adaptability is really important particularly now more than ever because technology is taking us in, in whole new places. So we, I mean, we as a business have lived through several recessions um, and there have always been challenges, new challenges. And I think that's possibly, conversely, that's what keeps us in there. It's that, it's the next level, it's the change, it's what moves things on. And what what will be interesting next is is how to change things and how to keep this body of people who are in the business, how to keep them happy with that change because it's all very well us wanting that change and Tom and I and the, and the management team. But there's the whole of the business. They've got to be happy with that change too. And it's it's making everyone else in the team believe in the change and adapt to it and, and want it as much as we do. Um, that's possibly the, the one of the biggest things that we do most of the time. Mm. Change, change and how, how to and manage it and bringing and yes. people with you. It can't yeah. be easy with so it's, many now. It's true. We'll have our final chat with Ruth, plus play a track from Shaper of Jazz, Snarky Puppy. That's after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Starkey Puppy and Amor Te La. Ruth, we've been talking about divas. We've been talking about the lack of divas and the fact that it's an industry. And we've talked a little bit about change. Technology is a massive, it has a massive impact on every industry now. We are inside the digital revolution. It's been going on for a number of years. So you've got lots of competition online, very big companies investing lots of money in delivering the same sorts of things that you do. How are you going to ensure that you stand out in the following 5, 10, 15 years yeah. as things really hot up? What a, what a match is going to be doing? We are going to be looking at technology, new developments in technology. And I think what's interesting about the space that we're in um, online is that developing your own personality and maintaining this brand image is going to be super important for us where we go next um there's so many ways that you can talk to your customer from an online space now and make it interesting for them and we want to be the best um the best reference for both brands and for 
um, people who are engaged in fashion in terms of the content that we're offering online. And that's not necessarily just about shopping. That's about um, talking about new brands. So it might be a fashion student who's coming to us because they want to learn about new brands. Our business is very well known now for supporting emerging talent. I was going to ask you about that. Okay, how do you do that? Do you give them a space? I mean, is it literally if it's a a new designer that's done well in Milan and well in London, you say, actually, we'd love to curate you here? Is that what you do, that kind of thing? Yes, so we, we, our ear is to the ground all the time. We're looking for new talent. When we see something that resonates with our aesthetic, particularly, we will, um, we will, Approach them approach and bring them, them in. How do you do that? Do you have a team of? Is it, is it a bit like scouts in football? People are looking all the time. I mean, we, have- we have we have a really talented team of buyers who are um, completely passionate about what they do. Who are always coming up with great new brands that they've seen that they're excited about. We'll talk about it. We'll decide which ones we're going to go with. You can't go with everybody. Um, we have to be sure that they're people who can deliver who have a degree of professionalism and who are, are as excited as we are about the opportunity that we have. Um, and, and bringing, I mean, it sounds like the wonderful thing is you do have passion in the business. There are yes. people that know what they're doing. Yes. Reinvention is at the is the cornerstone of fashion. Things yes. are constantly changing. Newness. Newness is changing. You mentioned before about, you know, it's the hardest thing is going to be bringing, as we change all the time, in terms of the structure of the business and what it actually delivers, bringing those 350 people together. How are you going to do that? How do you try and do that? Are there some magic bullets that, that, that one should deploy? I think communication in a team like the size that we have is one of the, the hardest challenges. Um, so that's something that we're working on every day. We're certainly not perfect at it now. Um, and it's something that we talk about constantly. Um, we, I mean, for Tom and I, the, the time that we have with those teams is really important. So we try to have some physical contact with those people in a physical space as often as we possibly can um, to talk about the message. Every year we do have a seminar with the business as a whole where we talk about what our goals are, what our ambitions are for the year. And we try and keep that filter of communication going throughout the year. It's not a perfect science yet. Mm. Um, We're constantly trying to improve that. But you're positive about your ability to deliver that so you can carry on being the preeminent. Absolutely. That's and of course, just before I ask you about your song choice, I have to ask you, um, autumn, winter is around the corner. Yes. For a man like me, what would you recommend? What kind of brand should I be looking for? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what are you going to have in that's okay, actually you're if, excited about? If I, was, if I was talking about Tom, my husband, I would say Bottega Veneta, great brand, luxury. And also I'm super excited because Thomas Meyer, who's the creative director behind Bottega, is just about to launch his, actually I'm flying to New York on Sunday to see his new collection which will launch next spring summer so not autumn winter but that I'm excited about as well I think for men that will be that will be a fabulous new brand you heard it here first Uh, Ruth thank you so much for joining me before I let you go what's your song choice and why have you chosen it my song choice is Sir Duke which by Stevie Wonder who um, Stevie Wonder was a background of my sort of teenage years really Um, and I still adore him I still love listening to him and um, it's upbeat, feels good, feel good factor. Brilliant. Rue, thank you very much for joining me. This is your choice. It's Stevie Wonder and Sir Duke.
That was Sir Duke from Stevie Wonder, the song choice of my business shaper today, Ruth Chapman. Passionate about fashion, loves what she does, is looking towards making sure that her business is fit for all the sorts of changes that the fashion world are going to throw up against it, and I'm sure that they will succeed massively. Do join me again, same time, same place, for another edition of Jazz Shapers. That's 9am next Saturday morning here on Jazz FM. Stay with us, because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Rea. It's business, but it's personal.